He says that with this divide between rural and urban areas, it gives an economic advantage to places with better connectivity. And the connectivity is lower in First Nation communities, where only 34.8% of households on reserves have adequate internet access. Some have none at all. The First Nations Technology Council is one group working to change that. What the impact of that is, is multi-generational. You know, it's we're not just talking about today and people's skills um, to move into a digitally reliant economy, which is important. We're now looking at hundreds of thousands of kids who don't have access to the internet, the hardware, who are therefore not learning the skills and in environments that they're going to need to be successful. There are more than 630 First Nation communities in Canada, which represent more than 50 nations and 50 Indigenous languages. And as our intro clip pointed out, only around 35% of households in these reserves have access to adequate internet connectivity. And the hardware required, such as laptops, is an even lower number. Now, in this age of digitalization accelerated by the pandemic, this literally means hundreds and thousands of children are being left behind. Now, we've talked about this before on this podcast, but in Indigenous communities, the digital divide is broader than anywhere else in Canada. And today we're going to talk about one particular initiative designed to narrow that divide. Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the technological implications brought about by the next industrial revolution and how this can potentially help solve the biggest problems facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Robertson. Joining me as ever is my co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. So today on this special episode of TGI, we have two guests. One is Mr. Eli Debelois, who is a young gentleman from the Eel River Bar First Nation on the North Shore of New Brunswick. Now, Eli is not only just a member of this community, he also works with Reboot Canada. Now, Reboot Canada are a nonprofit providing laptops and technical assistance to the youth of Indigenous communities all across Canada from coast to coast to coast. Now, our other guest is Mr. Gabby Israel. Gabby is not only a friend and colleague of mine, he's a VP here at Amdocs, but he is undertaking an admirable mammoth trek to Everest Base Camp this month to raise funds for Reboot Canada. Previously, Gabby has climbed Kilimanjaro and he's also an accomplished photographer. His work is so good, he auctions it and the proceeds of which go towards these fantastic causes but he now has his sights or should i say lens set on everest to basically get laptops into the hands of young people like eli so they can put them to good use prosper and not be excluded from the digital necessities many of us take for granted the question that i think we're going to answer quite easily is why is it so important to close the digital divide in indigenous communities so i'd like to welcome to the great indoors today eli and gabby let's start with you eli where are you enjoying the great indoors from today uh 
Ilverbar, New Brunswick. Uh, it's on the north shore of the province. And Gabby? Richmond Hill, a bit north of Toronto. What's that? About 20 miles north of uh, Toronto. Nice. Now, this is a new thing. We're getting into this. But Eli, if you could come on to any song right now, if we should play some music to introduce you, what would that song be? Oh, God. I feel like awkward clown music would be, like, the most appropriate. Um, yeah. Tends to be how I see myself. <laughs> <laughs> and Gabby, Gabby, what would you like to come on to, entrance music-wise? I think for, for the theme of today is, like, the obvious, like, ain't no mountain high enough. go there you go that's the soundtrack that's the soundtrack for this episode let's start with you then gabby uh in the intro i talked about you know the quest you're about to to undertake but tell us about this trek to everest and and how you got involved with reboot give give the whole story um on this endeavor so so it started actually back in 2014 when i uh i always like hiking and trekking and and so on and in 2014 uh Together with a good friend of mine, Steve, we, we decided to take it to the next level and go to uh, Tanzania and climb uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. It was quite an adventure. Some parts that I did not even expect that would be that hard. Uh, but we summit and it was great. All good. In 2017, I tried something different. And in this case, I actually uh, uh, went to Peru and went through the Inca Trail for three and a half days and also climbed some... Uh, nice mountains there, experiencing the altitude and so on. And then in 2022, I said, you know, the mountains are calling. So which one is this time? And uh, Everest Base Camp was uh, definitely something on my bucket list. And back in June, I started to, to train for it. Now, as I was preparing for that, I said, okay, uh, I did something similar, by the way, back in 2014. And I decided it needs to be more meaningful than just, you know, going and climbing a mountain. To look for this kind of meaning I said, what will make more sense than to, to try and combine what I do today with Amdocs, a company that has to do with technology, and, and find a good cause here in Canada that may find the technology useful for their benefit. And this is, you know, with your help, uh, we were looking for uh, a company that deals with this kind of digital divide and, and the technology gaps that there are in different communities. And we came across Reboot, Reboot Canada, got in touch. And uh, actually, f from the get-go, it was very, I think, I found it very, the chemistry to be excellent. We tried to explain what we would like to do in order to actually uh, contribute to that kind of uh, closure of gaps. And we took it from there. And, and just when is your quest? When does it begin? So I'm flying in April 26th, and the mm -hmm. climb starts on April 29th. Uh, it's mm. about two weeks, uh, about 10 days to get to, to Everest Base Camp. And then we climb a summit called Kalapatar, which is a bit uh, higher than Everest Base Camp in order to see potentially, depends on the weather, uh, either sunset or sunrise off, uh, you know, over Everest. Brilliant. It's, it's such an amazing uh, thing you're doing, Gabby. Now, Eli, let's bring you into the conversation. Give us our listeners a little bit of background on, on yourself and, and how you've come to work with Reboot. And also, you know, what has Reboot done for your community 
since you've been involved with them? All right. So I'm a, I'm a First Nations person. I grew up in the uh, North Shore of uh, New Brunswick. Other Canadians probably know it as No Funswick because uh, it's a very boring <laughs> little province. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've been working with uh, computers and technology uh, pretty much for my whole life. Like I started fixing computers at the age of nine. That's sort of like what ended up leading me into working with Reboot uh, in the first place. Um, I think it was about in 2019, I applied for a position here at my at the band office and I got an internship. And eventually time came where we needed more funding and uh, Reboot was reaching out to First Nations communities uh, looking to uh, sort of reach out to them for a uh, connectivity project that they were planning. Uh, they were getting some funds from the government of uh, Canada uh, to sort of... Uh, improve connectivity in uh, First Nations communities. So they got a hold of my former boss. He, you know, got into contact with them. Uh, they had some discussions. They sort of negotiated pay for me and I got to come back to work here. My time with Reboot has been, I'd say it's two years now, actually, I think. Um, so I've been with Reboot for a while and we, we, we've done a lot. Quite recently for our community, we installed a uh, free Wi-Fi hotspot. Uh, and we were looking at um, installing more of them in sort of like the um, lower income parts of our community where they might not be able to afford uh, personal home internet. That project's sort of on pause right now due to some, uh, you know, issues that arose because of COVID. But the biggest thing that they've done for us is really help improve community connectivity. And hopefully all things going well uh, with the fundraising for the current uh, project. Uh, we'll get some laptops to uh, those in our community who are the most in need. Awesome. It's brilliant. It's it's really good. And, Eli, let's talk a little bit about the communities uh, in Canada. Many of our listeners are in the United States, the United Kingdom, and all over the world. But just mm -hmm. for our listeners, if you could, how many Indigenous communities are you aware of in Canada? And, and how many of them, from your understanding, don't have access to the right technologies and the right ac uh, internet access uh, to bridge that divide? I believe that there's a bit over 600 First Nations communities in Canada. And uh, prior to like the Truth and Reconciliation project going on, uh, there are and you know were a lot of infrastructure issues regarding uh, internet because a lot of our communities tend to be pretty remote. By my estimation, yeah, it's probably over like 60% of the communities need uh, some help regarding internet because I know um, high-speed internet is not very common on a lot of uh, reservations. Mine, uh, fortunately, we live in a sort of in an area filled with larger villages and uh, towns and municipalities. So we do have access to stuff like Bell Fiber, but there are some in other parts of even my province that are, they have much poorer access to high-speed internet. You, you mentioned about 600 communities. I'm, I'm assuming there are different sizes of communities uh, across. So can you say a few words about specifically about your communities and is this a good representation of the size of a typical community within Canada? Uh, yeah, so my community, uh, living on reserve, I'd say we've got about 300 or 400 people. And at least in where I live, uh, we're on the smaller side. But there are other reservations that have populations pretty similar to this. I, I, I wouldn't want to say that it's a really good representation because it can really depend on the area. Like there are reserves in Quebec that are massive, like thousands of people living on a reserve as opposed to just, you know, the hundreds that live here. But I would say in rural Canada, yeah, this is a pretty good example of like uh, what the population size for a reservation is. 
it's usually about under a thousand people living in a relatively small chunk of land, but I, I would say it's an okay representation of rural Canada's uh, Indian reservations. And, you know, as an immigrant coming in and learning about the history of Canada, but many of the listeners, again, because we have people from all over the world, may be interested to understand about the concept of communities, like even to ask like the reason for communities and, and so on. Can, can you elaborate a little bit about that, about the history of the indigenous communities? I think it's, it's something that will give some context of what we're trying to also achieve here. Yeah, so because this gets into like uh, Canadian history and like American history too, right? A lot of it tended to be sort of a forced uh, relocation of First Nations people into like these smaller communities by the governments of these like burgeoning nations. Like we used to have a much wider range, but in the 1800s, 1900s and stuff like that, we started getting pushed in, squished down to uh, smaller reservations where our communities were, you know, sort of permitted to exist. As the years have gone on, I think sort of as um, these notions of like integration and stuff like that have carried on, uh, First Nations people sometimes wonder like, what's the point of staying on them? But generally, the the, the purpose I think that we uh, find in these communities now, which, you know, used to be a sort of a, I don't, don't want to get too hard on like the language, but like, you know, a tool of uh, oppression sort of became uh, sort of integral to uh, maintaining our uh cultural identity because by making sure that so many first nations people are in one place it's it really sort of concentrates like the you know the community values the beliefs and everything like that like it it condenses our culture and it sort of helps safeguard it against like change and like forced integration and forgetting where we come from etc i think that's brilliant eli and and you know you're a young gen z intelligent guy and we're talking now about, you know, in this globalized world, giving you, you know, access to all the, you know, the tools. I, you know, it's fair to say in the last 30, 40 years that the world has changed massively because of connectivity, because of the internet, because of digitalization, because of social media. Mm. But given all those new things, how is your generation embracing the existing traditions and culture of your First Nations community? Um, I feel like this, like uh, the, the advent of this technology has really gone a long way to making sure that we can sort of share that information of our culture, like even amongst other reservations. So it's really helped for, I think, um, a majority of First Nations youth sort of to embrace their culture a lot better than we could before. Because admittedly, like there were a lot of communities that had their, um, by like the residential school system, they had their cultural identity stripped from them. And because we're able to connect with other communities that might have, you know, safeguarded themselves a little bit better than we have, we've been able to sort of recover some of that back. And uh, student, like guys my age, younger, older than me, are doing a great job of connecting to other communities to sort of embrace their culture. Because there's always this want, right, to belong and sort of understand like how our ancestors lived, right? So you mentioned before the day of uh, truth and co- reconciliation. I'm I'm interested to to know it's one thing to actually declare it, but it's another how you actually implement it, and it's yet another how it's being perceived by the ones that are impacted by that. Can can you share like what was the impact from the, your community specifically, or things you heard from other communities uh, as well? 
Yeah. Um, so in, in the area near I, near where I live, uh, sort of a common opinion amongst people on the reservations is it's a really good first step towards sort of like patching this stuff up, trying to make things better, is at least recognizing that the problem exists. Because admittedly, for a long time, and even to this day, like Canadian government does not like to talk about uh, their mistakes and their wrongdoing, so they like to sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. But at least this sort of brings it out into the light and at least they're sort of acknowledging it. And, you know, the public is therefore forced to acknowledge that these things happened. And I think it makes a really great grounds for like educating other people on what happened, on what's going on. Like I said, wonderful first step. Do, do you feel like the youth is actually leveraging that day to, because education cannot be a one day thing, right? It's an mm-hmm. ongoing, and as you said, it's a first step. But do you feel that the youth within the, uh, the communities are actually utilizing that and maybe um, serve as ambassadors, if you will, sharing the knowledge, explaining to people so more and more people will be aware exactly about, you know, the past, the history, the, the, the present and the challenges and so on? Yeah, no, uh, for sure. I think that the, the, the most important thing about this is that it sort of acts like a beacon and it sort of signals that this stuff happened. And in response a lot of uh, First Nations youth and even our elders are sort of mobilizing under this because now that the attention has been brought to it, it's a lot easier to teach people about what's going on. And at schools and stuff like that, in the weeks leading up to and after, pretty much for like the whole month of September, at least where I live, it's sort of seen as a time to try and educate. Uh, And people all sort of reach out to neighboring communities and and their citizens to try and have these sort of meetups and stuff like that in order to teach them about, you know, First Nations culture, uh, the sort of damage that was done by, uh, you know, the residential school programs and, you know, where we want to go in the future and to show that while we might be hurt, we're not angry or hateful. We want to work together with, you know, our fellow Canadians to sort of make a better future. Excellent. And and you did you feel that during that time when it comes to, for example, technology, so everybody's you know, with any campaign, technology nowadays is serving a very instrumental tool. Did you find yourself, you know, during September, utilizing some of the platforms that you did not use in the past, or are you still lacking uh, kind of those platforms to actually maybe optimize the messaging out? I think it, it provided us with a lot of uh, useful, like, opportunities uh, to contact other people that would not have existed even whenever I was... Um, even in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s, um, because admittedly, like this building was not super digital until about like 2008. So uh, I think that it, it went a really long way to making sure that we could reach out to people. And we certainly have discovered that there's a lot of different ways we can do that. Uh, you know, we're using social media platforms, which is a thing that was barely even considered useful for the workplace, uh, you know, where I am, until I think about 2018 that they started putting out messages on there. uh, We made our own websites. uh, We reached out using uh, stuff like LinkedIn and stuff like that to sort of network with other communities, their leadership and stuff like that. And this is a question I want to ask, um, Eli, because you live in a rural community. Reboot will be providing you with laptops and we talked about connectivity. What are you using them for? Where are you getting the biggest benefit from these things? Because it's easy to say, oh, I'm using it for gaming or I'm, I'm binge-watching a whole load of Netflix stuff. As an individual, as for your broader community, what are the – give some examples, if you will, of, of how it's 
demonstrably improving uh, your way of life. A big, a big part of uh, First Nations culture is uh, elders. And I think a big thing about uh, this sort of uh, improvement to connectivity that we've seen over the years is an improvement in their mental health because they're able to contact their grandchildren and their children with like greater frequency because sometimes those uh, those relatives are out of reach and they might start the grandparents might start feeling lonely and now thanks to stuff like discord skype facebook messenger all that they're able to reach out and sort of speak to their you know offspring which is really really impactful for them um, we've also seen major improvements to education like college professors, uh, high school teachers, grade school teachers, all able to reach out to parents more quickly so that they can get, like, First Nations parents can get ahead of problems with, that their kids might be having. Uh, At-home education is more feasible. Online research, that is a thing I could not do at my house until I was, like, 15 because we basically had <laughs> dial-up until then. <laughs> so... It's a lot of uh, positive benefits for mental health, school performance. To a lesser extent, I think uh, it's really improved sort of entertainment. Uh, you don't need to... <laughs> Not everyone's relying on the same uh, collection of CDs and DVDs passed around uh, families anymore. You can actually watch stuff on YouTube and Netflix and stuff like that, which I think a lot of people are enjoying. Myself, like Gabby, I'm, I'm an immigrant to Canada. But even from an administrative perspective, in Canada, you need to have access, right, to whether it's do your taxes, check your COVID results if you had to have a COVID test. Mm -hmm. There's so many things in life that are just almost mandatory to have connectivity to do the everyday admin that you need to do mm -hmm. as an individual. No, and that's 100% true. And sort of like as we move forward in the digital age, uh, people in our community are sort of recognizing the importance of connectivity beyond, uh, you know, just entertainment purposes, uh, which is part of the reason why a lot of uh, members of our community are interested in this collaboration that we're going through with Reboot, because it makes sure that our families who might not have this sort of connectivity to, you know, do their taxes, help their kids get educated and so on, uh, will finally be able to do that in like a reasonable capacity. As our uh, Wi-Fi hotspots are going up, uh, these computers are going to be getting passed around the community, which will mean that everyone in our community can access the greater world and the net and stuff like that. Now, one of the things that we've seen, and I'm, I'm switching gears a little mm. bit now, is we talked right at the beginning about the digital divide, but it was the pandemic itself that really shone a light on the digital divide, not just in Canada, but everywhere on the planet, right? There's, there's no country on the planet where what the pandemic did was expose the problems that not having access to the right equipment and connectivity would allow you. But... During the, the, the lockdown and the pandemic, and thankfully that seems to be in the rear view mirror now, how did that manifest itself in your community? How, how was the pandemic and the lockdown? You're in a remote area. A, how was it? I mean, I, I mean I, I'm sure it wasn't great, like it wasn't for everyone, but B, how did technology help in those dark times? Yeah, um, 
you know, it was obviously like really stressful. Um, and at points, uh, a little mind numbing because there's a distinct lack of stimuli because you're not able to like go out and talk to people. You can't even see, uh, somebody at like the uh, grocery store. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. A lot of our community members went through some issues with their mental health during this time. Um, you know, for, for me, didn't change too much. I'm not a big extrovert. I already wasn't going out a ton, but I did notice like, yeah, I'm kind of getting irritated, agitated, being stuck in like this. But the way that technology sort of helped us get through that, and it was sort of integral uh, was it helped us be able to organize. We were able to make sure that there were no food security issues by reaching out and setting up things with uh, other communities and their sort of grocers and stuff like that. We got to communicate with community members to ensure that if an issue came up, that they could reach out to us and that the uh, band office would you know, try to do something to make sure that they were kept in a stable position. Be that like due to a suspension of work, like that could be in providing them funds to make sure that their lights stay on and that they keep like, uh, you know, the internet and stuff like that and pay for their phones. It also helped us make sure that, you know, everyone was fed households who needed money for food, got the money for food. It helped us maintain uh, community security because we got to know, you know, the COVID statistics of other uh, places around us, infection rates, stuff like that. So we could better screen people who are coming in and out of our community and so on. It, Technology was an amazingly useful tool uh, to us during that time. But just on a, on a more uh, fun note, a lot of us read a lot of books or watched a lot of television during the pandemic. What was most popular uh, amongst you and your friends uh, during the pandemic? Oh, my God. I think, honestly, uh, during lockdown, there was just a really big resurgence amongst uh, my friend groups of watching Friends. I think it was a little bit like for nostalgia and comfort because a lot of us grew up seeing our parents watch it. So a lot of people started watching that again. And it, it was an experience doing um, digital watch parties. Like we would uh, set up like screen sharing uh, and we'd all watch it over like a Discord call with each other. So that was like our most binge show. Not exactly like a modern uh, you know, thing to watch. It was not new at all during the time of the pandemic, but incredibly popular around here. And one of the reasons I asked that question and why you gave, you gave the, a, a really interesting answer, because we saw that during the pandemic, a lot of your age group demographic were, were binge watching The Office, the US yep. office. Well, that and Friends became the most streamed shows in the world on the internet. And of course, what Friends was 10, 15 years ago, The Office finished 10 years ago, but they kind of resurrected themselves during the the pandemic so it's and, and have you seen the office yeah me of course I, I i've seen tons of it um this is a, a little funny um so i rewatched a good chunk of it uh last year and now whenever i go to work I, I have two cats at home i sort of just leave it on the tv so that they have something some noise in the house yeah well you should play them episode four season two of the great indoors where we had uh rain wilson from the office so uh, check that out little plug little plug there for the show um anyway uh so that's great now eli what's your biggest source of inspiration personally my 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 biggest inspiration tends to just be uh what i find enjoyable um which tends to be uh working on computers and uh writing and stuff like that so i usually look to like uh journalist articles and a lot of uh tech heads to try and get myself like excited for things <laughs> 
I, I know this might sound weird, uh, but I'm subscribed to like uh, Wall Street Journal and stuff like that. And reading those articles, it sort of makes me more uh, excited to write. It makes more sense. It's a lot of sense. <laughs> the connection between yeah, exactly. everything you said. Yeah. I'm actually interested to know if you fast forward yourself, you know, two, three, even five years from now, what do you see yourself? So I, I'd love to still be in like the same industry that I am right now. Um, I love working in IT. Um, it's, it's a really enjoyable thing for me. I'm hoping that I can sort of get our uh, IT department on my reservation filled out um, because at some point I would love to move to Halifax, Nova Scotia because admittedly where I live is a little boring. That's a little bit more exciting. Tell me a little bit about New Brunswick because I know Gabby's been there. He's a huge fan. And as I was said, I grew up in a small rural part of the United Kingdom. To me, New Brunswick sounds amazing. It sounds beautiful, fascinating. So, so give our listeners a bit of, like I said, a lot of people are, are not in Canada, an elevator pitch, if you will, for New Brunswick. Okay. So a lot of wide open forest, beautiful mountain ranges, um, a lot of interesting geography that also tends to make sure that communities have to stay small and split apart. Um, so there's massive, beautiful vistas and tracts of land that you get to drive through on your way to go get groceries uh, in the next community over. For me to get to a place with like a reasonable, like a, a place with like decent food to buy, I have to drive 20 minutes through a nice cut of the Appalachian mountain range. The best way I could put it, at least for American viewers, is if you think about Maine and then you somehow make Maine more boring, that's a really good way to describe your <laughs> brother. That's not true. Come on. Uh, Eli, <laughs> it's prettier Eli, than Maine, though. It's prettier, prettier than, Maine. than Maine. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eli is brought to you courtesy of the New Brunswick Tourist Association. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I tell you, I plan uh, with my family because I've barely left Ontario uh, since I've come to Canada, but we plan uh, a trek all the way over uh, to the Atlantic side of Canada. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd love to uh, visit New Brunswick because your family were lobster fishermen. Is that correct as well? Eli? Yeah, no. Um, so my grandfather on my mother's side and uh, my uncle on his side are also, or uh, her side are both fishermen. My father is a fisherman. I think he bought his boat in, oh my God, I think the 70s. <laughs> He got it when he was pretty young. Um, for as long as we've been able to build uh, lobster fishing boats or buy them, it's been a really popular thing in our community, I think, since uh, World War II. Uh, a lot of people in my family grew up doing it. My father was born uh, in, the six, in the 40s, and he can still remember the sounds of air raid sirens, picking potatoes, and seeing men in the, you know, <laughs> come into the ports with lobsters on their boats. Pretty, pretty long-standing tradition for my family. And I was going to ask Gabby this question as well. I just asked you, Eli. But Gabby, what's your source of inspiration? You're, you're going to be in a, in a month's time. You've been training really hard. You've been up early every morning getting yourself ready for, this, for the quest up to, to Everest. What's inspiring you? That's, that's a very good question. I think it's, um, it's a combination of many, many things. You know, the first time when I did Kilimanjaro, the, the motivation for me was I want to get to the summit. It was like almost like a fixation. I want to get to the summit. And when I started the journey, every day that actually passed, you experience kind of a different environment, a different landscape, a different climate, and so on. 
the summit became less and less important. And at the end of it, once I got there, it was nice, but it was not it. And I got it only once I finished the entire journey to understand that actually the journey is the goal. It's not getting to the summit. And I think since then, I, I actually included that in everything I do. Yes, mm -hmm. goals are important, but more importantly is how you get there. How do you impact your surrounding when it comes to people? It can be at work. It can be a family. It can be friends. And I'm, I'm paying more attention to that. You know, that's my uh, internal kind of journey that I'm trying to kind of uh, share and, and impact people around me, especially, you know, again, work, friends, family, to do the same. Because I think it's uh, once you get it, something changes in a good way. Yeah, yeah. What we're hoping, and obviously is, and I think you are already, Gabby, is a source of inspiration for other individuals within Amdocs to take on, you know, an initiative that hopefully closes the digital divide in other parts of the world. Obviously, we've we've talked here about um, Eli's community and, and Reboot. Gabby's doing an amazing job of fun, uh, fundraising, and, and we'll leave a link uh, to his own webpage and the webpage to make donations in the show notes uh, for this podcast. And I urge everybody who listens to check out what you know uh, all the the cornucopia of assets we have uh, to support Gabby's journey, and also just to leave a donation because every penny counts, and this is such a wonderful cause. For every three hundred and fifty dollars, we are able to provide a laptop to the young members of the communities all across Canada. And it, it means a huge amount. And I think it, it's important, maybe, sorry for interrupting, Matt, but I think it's important to emphasize, again, the donations are not for Gabby. It's not for me. The donations, we are actually trying to support and contribute to this technology divide that there exists by actually, you know, having uh, different people, organizations, whoever can assist to provide that, that donation to close the gap. So as you said, every $350 can actually contribute to a laptop uh, for indigenous youth. It, it, it's great to be on here and sort of have this platform to sort of like uh, talk about what Reboot's doing and what Gabby's doing. And I'm just really excited to see where this project goes. And I want to say that I'm I'm thankful, my community is thankful, and everyone at Reboot is thankful for any donations that you guys make to uh, Amdocs. And we're really thankful to Gabby as well for sort of helping us have this platform and of course the rest of Amdocs. Thank you. I'm humbled. And with that, we're going to go into TGI to go. TGI to go. TGI to go. Eli, you're going first. And we've arranged the question uh, based on your uh, demographic cohort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that'll be quite clear. Uh, but 10 simple questions. Just give me your preference out of the two choices. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. All right, let's get going. Cats or dogs? Cats. The Maple Leafs or the Canucks? Uh, Canucks. Mm. Winter or summer? Summer. Ah. Fortnite or Call of Duty? 
If I could pick neither, I'd pick neither, but I guess I'll go with COD. <laughs> no, but what would you normally play? Uh, normally I play uh, stuff like Dark Souls and just strategy games like StarCraft and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my children are literally addicted to Roblox. I mean, literally. Uh, oh, no, I have a niece like that. You can't even pull her away from like the iPad when she's got it on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they will be undergoing counselling and medication very soon uh, to to sort that out. Um, Iron Man or Superman? Uh, Iron Man. This next one's for our customers. Tell us, Rogers or Bell? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna go with Bell. Good choice. Good choice. That's for a private ISP. I have different opinions for Bell as a business partner, though. Um. Okay. <laughs> Well, we hope they're listening in, and um, uh, my earlier comments on Bell 5 in uh, Oakville still stand. We still don't have it here. Swimming or hiking? Mm, swimming. Oh. That would be hard with ever. Now, do you go swimming in the that sea? A... Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, first you... place I learned how to swim, actually. There you go. All right. It's freaking ice cold here, though. We don't get anything from the <laughs> Gulf Stream or anything like that to warm it up. <laughs> so you swim Invigorate. You swim faster to get yeah. warm, right? No, exactly. <laughs> TikTok or Instagram? Truth be told, I don't use either of them, but there's some funny people on TikTok, so I'll go with TikTok. Ah. But you're active on social media, Facebook, Twitter? Twitter Reddit. for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Twitter and uh, Reddit. Okay, cool. Yeah. Poutine or pizza? Okay, now that one's really tough. Um, honestly, uh poutine because it's more of a treat for me like i get it less often than i get pizza and i can buy frozen pizza but i can't buy frozen poutine it just doesn't come out the same <laughs> and what would be you now what and this is a i've never thought what would be a traditional dish from your community from my community that would be yeah. this sounds like bougie but like here it's not so much there it would just be like smoked salmon okay yeah and we we talked about lobster when we first met as obviously, a lobster is my favorite food. Uh, once a year on my birthday, my, my, my wife will treat me with lobster. But for yourself, it's, I guess, fairly mundane. If, yeah. Um... Oh, my God. I I grew up with that in my house, like, almost every summer. Like, it was... <laughs> I remember my dad would bring home some of his lobster catch, and that was all we would eat for, like, weeks. Like, there was a day every week where you would have lobster, sometimes two times. Other family members loved it. Me and my sister, though, we would sit there and we'd stare at it. We'd like, you know, poke at it with our forks, barely touch it. For me, I'm not a huge lover, but I get why people elsewhere really like it. It gets a lot more yeah. expensive the further away from the coast you move. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Now, and the last one, reading or writing? Uh, honestly, uh, writing, for sure. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I know you, you, you had aspirations of journalism uh, and you said that you like writing just in your spare time as well, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's completely true. Like, um, I think writing is just a really fun form of artistic expression and it, it's really therapeutic, it's healthy. I think reading is too, but I really like the creative process a lot more than just sort of digesting something that somebody else has created, mm -hmm. you know? Interesting, interesting. And, and do you blog? Do you write blogs? Uh, I used to. Um, Back when I was in college, uh, just as like practice, I used to do uh, little uh, automotive blogs because I wanted to become a, um, specifically the field of journalism I was looking into for a little bit at least was automotive journalism. 
So I would, you know, go to local uh, car dealerships where I knew a guy and uh, they'd let me test drive stuff and then I would write about it and I'd post it on like, uh, God, like an old uh, Tumblr blog that had like two followers. And I would write like a short little review and like an editorial on it and stuff like that. That's amazing. Awesome. awesome. I haven't done that in years, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's TGI to go for you, Ella, as, uh, Eli, and I, I, it, that was a really fun uh, piece there. So we're going to move on now. TGI to go for Gabby. Uh -oh. Slightly different questions here. Don't worry. Nothing on Fortnite or uh, TikTok. Uh, but let's get going. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Do you have a dog? I used to. 16 oh. years, yeah. Oh. Mount Fuji or K2? K2, come on. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, when, once you've done Everest, what are you thinking next, mountain wise? Which. Oh, I've been thinking about this, but then I said, Shh, just focus on what you need to yeah. do now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Fuji, Fuji, you can do anytime. You can do it in the afternoon. It's not the big deal. Okay. Fall or spring? Fall. Cardio or weight training? Weight training. Yeah. Hate cardio. Yeah. Hate. It's awful. <laughs> it's like punishment for me. No, I, I'm. And I'm doing this every day for an hour, and I try to, you know, I'm right there with you. About the other stuff. It's just horrible. You just stare at a wall and walk in. Yeah. <laughs> but give our <laughs> listeners a little bit of your training regime that you're going through for for this expedition. So since June, I, I, I've been training all my life. Okay, since age 18, before the army and all that. So I always train. But since June, it's six times a week. I give myself one day kind of to recover and rest. Mm -hmm. And I do every day uh, between 15 minutes to one hour, depends on the group muscle, I do weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And then another hour of uh, cardio. Yeah. And I finish everything by seven. Nice, nice. Now, and when you finish Everest, that, that you'll keep that regime? Not six times no. a day, a week, no. Bit of a break. No. <laughs> Bit of a break until K2. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dancing or singing? Neither. <laughs> or both, or both. Oh my gosh, singing, because I need to choose one, but okay. no dancing. I'm... <laughs> no. But when we, we asked about your intro music um, at the beginning, Gabby, but when you're doing your, your training, typically, do you listen to any music? Oh, that's a great. Uh, so once I had that, I, I used to work out with the music on, although I prefer nothing. But if I listen to music, it's the last thing that anybody will think that someone will use in the gym. And this is classical music. That's good. No, I, it's, that's, uh, because that's, it's, yeah. it's kind of zone me out. It takes me to a different place. I can focus. Yeah. So if I need if I decide to listen, it will be classical. Excellent. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Yeah. Yeah. Seascapes or landscapes? Landscape. Yeah. Now I must point out for all our listeners as well that Gabby is a I wouldn't say amateur photographer. I think you're much more advanced than that. But when it comes when it comes to photography, part of this expedition you will be taking a lot of photographs, right, that we'll be able to see. Absolutely. So my intention actually is to do more than that. So um, in 2019, I was lucky enough, one of the galleries uh, here in Toronto actually exhibit my work and uh, positioned me in a very good situation to, to sell some of my work and uh, get some recognition for my work. 
So I do want to utilize that. And the plan is that I'll capture my, my journey. And I want to print potentially like a book that summarizes kind of the entire journey, but also print in large format, uh, like two pictures that will be kind of nicer pictures than others. And I want to sell them and, and the proceeds to actually provide to Reboot for the same purpose that we're trying to do here. So that's uh, definitely my intention to, uh, hopefully I'm going to have lots of pictures. I have many memory cards, so they need to be filled up, so. <laughs> and staying on the camera theme, and it, Nikon or Canon? Oh, Nikon. Don't, don't, yeah. don't even go there. <laughs> nice. Uh, back onto this, Kanoa or Wild Rice? Um, Kinoa. But here's a question, based on that. As you're going up to Everest Base Camp, what are you doing for nutrition and food? So you, you actually move from one village to another. Right. Throughout, and you have places to eat the local food. And ah. it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's actually, from what I've seen, from what I've heard, good food. I probably will take with me some, some additional food, but, <laughs> but that's... Yeah. Just for the fun of it. But yeah, I, I, I don't think food is going to be an issue from, uh, you know, having enough off and, and so on. But they have different, you know, like uh, garlic soup that can help you with heights and uh, uh, different teas, you know, with ginger and so on. Again, to help with heights, you need to drink a lot of water. Yeah. Awesome. And the final one on Gabby's TGI to go, burpees or jump rope? Neither. Again, we're going to cardio here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, jump rope. Jump rope. All right. Excellent. Well, Eli, Gabby, we're almost out of time. I, I've really, I think there's been a brilliant conversation amongst the three of us this week. And before we sign off and say goodbye, um, Gabby, Eli, any last thoughts and comments to share with our listeners? Or indeed, any, uh, any other questions that, that we want to ask each other? Just, uh, I, I just want to say to Gabby, just keep me posted on everything that goes on or whenever you can give me an update. <laughs> I'd love to hear whenever you make it out there. Absolutely. I'm going to actually, uh, on a daily basis, I'm going to upload the uh, short videos mm -hmm. from where I am. So, and that will be shared on the um, landing page that uh, MDOX has prepared. So yeah, absolutely. I'll send you as well. Like, awesome. Uh, yeah, and, and of course. Information on a regular basis. That would be my pleasure. I, I want to actually use that the current platform that we're, we're talking right now and and ask people to to uh, understand and hopefully by the information we provided we we provided enough information for people to understand the importance of what we're trying to do and and to call for action. Ask people to donate. I think it's. Uh, mm -hmm. It's important and it's, uh, it's not a big thing for individuals to do in order to actually make the difference. What a great episode. And it's great to have a bit of fun with the, uh, the TGI to go. Firstly, I think Eli has a career in media ahead of him. Uh, he's brilliant. Uh, his youthful perspective is positive and infectious and i want to wish him all the best i also want to wish gabby all the luck in the world on his expedition it's an immense challenge for an incredibly important cause i think you'll agree now you can also follow gabby's journey on his webpage. the links are in the show notes and please please donate again the donation page link is in the show notes 
As a reminder, every $350 will provide one laptop for the youth of these communities and the exponential benefits that result for that community and that society are priceless. So please subscribe to our podcast on all the usual podcast channels. Leave a review or rating if you feel so inclined. It certainly helps us. Also visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. We'll be back in two weeks for another edition of TJI. I'm Matt Roberts for Amdocs in Toronto. Have a great day wherever you are.